Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Gary Keller delivers a message entitled, Calvary, the answer for all things. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about our church and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. First Corinthians 2 verse 1, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now today in this service, we have Brother Bud Mason and five generations of his family in this service today. But we go much further back than 1932 when this church was established. If you trace our history, we go all the way back to that day when a stone could not hold him in a grave. And he came out with all power in heaven and in earth. We are a part, you are a part of the early church. And so to that church, Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here's the main thing, is what Paul was saying. Let me share with you the main thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So on this Easter Sunday morning, I speak to you from this thought, Calvary, the answer for all things. And you may be seated. If you follow carefully another translation of verse 2, it simply says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then, Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. So Paul said to us, let's talk about him first. Let's talk about Jesus and who he is. And to answer that, I know of no better way than to go into the word of God and extract from 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Who is Jesus? It is clearly delineated by Paul's writings to Timothy. He said this, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was, speaking of Jesus, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and was received up into glory. So first of all, who is he? He's God manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit, 
seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, then the question would be Jesus. What did he do? Jesus and what he did. Well, that statement from Paul begs the question, what did Jesus do when he came from his world to our world? I had to limit it to just a few things that I can extract from the Word of God because the Word of God tells us that the books could not hold all of the wonderful things Jesus did here during his three and a half years of ministry. Let me share a few things with you that should make you excited and should make you thankful. These are some things that we know that he did do when he came to this earth. He came to do the will of the eternal spirit. He came to save sinners. He came to bring light to a dark and dying world. He came as the true witness. He came to destroy the works of Satan. He came to give us eternal life. He came to receive worship, glory, and honor from us on a Sunday morning called Easter. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to bring judgment to those who would reject truth. He came to reveal the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He came to call sinners to repentance. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to bring peace and life more abundantly. He came to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give us the spirit of adoption. He came to make us partakers of the divine nature. He came to rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to restore the fallen man and fallen woman to their rightful position in him. He came to satisfy our deepest thirst for righteousness. And if the truth be known in our world that is absolutely out of control, deep down in the heart of every man and woman, there is a void and it cannot be filled with the things of this world to bring satisfaction. It can only be filled with a thirst. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And he came to bring you and me that living water. And out of all the things that I just listed, the first and foremost reason why Jesus came here to this earth, preached for three and a half years, went up on Golgotha's hill and died there. He came here to die in our place. He came to Calvary just for you. And that's why the Apostle Paul made it perfectly clear. I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why this translation says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. Jesus, first who he is, and Jesus, what he did. Jesus crucified. Throughout the word of God, there are some scriptures that I will extract from the Holy Writ that tells the story of Easter and they go like this. Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, watch this now, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal. We know that. Kill and destroy. We know why the enemy has come. He has come to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I love the TPT translation of of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 18. It goes like this. He suffered and endured every test and every temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. What a powerful scripture. If you forget everything else I say today, don't forget that he came here for a purpose. And the purpose for Jesus Christ coming here was to help you and help me and help us through the ordeals of life. So on this Easter Sunday morning, I believe that Jesus Christ is going to help someone. On this Sunday morning, I don't think you just came because it's Easter. I believe you came because you have a need. I have a need. We all have needs. We all have ordeals that we're dealing with in this thing called life. And Jesus Christ is here to help us go through the ordeals of life. Whatever your ordeal is, Jesus is the one who can help you pass through it. And I believe the Lord is going to help you overcome and he's going to help you pass through your trial. And that's what ordeal means, your torment, your test, your tribulation, whatever it is that you're facing today. And you may even wonder how this church, New Life Christian Center, the ecclesia that called out the redeemed in 2023, how that we have the audacity to join with the Apostle Paul in making such a powerful statement as this. He suffered and endured every test, every temptation that he can help us every time pass through the ordeal. How can we say that? Well, let's, let me say this to say that. We can say that because we know that Satan was defeated on Calvary. We can say that because our chains of sin were broken on Golgotha's hill that fateful day 2,000 years ago. We can say that because every demon is demolished when Jesus Christ came out of the grave, he destroyed the works of Satan. We can say that because fears were abolished, lives were changed on a hill far away. And notwithstanding, we can say that because our hearts rejoice in the God of our salvation because of what he accomplished on Calvary. I'm thankful today that we have something to share, that we understand the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I'm glad that there ain't no grave can hold this body down. He did something when he came out of the grave. Hallelujah. He took the keys from of death, hell, and the grave from Satan. And on this Sunday morning, that key can unlock whatever your situation is. Does anybody believe Jesus can make a way where there seems to be no way? Does anybody believe God is a way maker? Hallelujah. Does anybody believe this word that that God wants to give you more than just a good life? Come on now. He wants to give you more than just a good life. He wants to give you life everlasting in him. I know we've laid uh, the last two weeks, we've laid four wonderful people to rest 
that have passed on and gone on to glory. But can I tell you, that's a temporary rest. They're coming out of that grave. They're going to join us in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's not just life, not just, we're not just seeking a good life here. We're seeking a good life here and a better life there because he came out of the grave with all power in heaven and in earth and he is alive forevermore. I am he that was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. And somebody said, hallelujah. It was Henry Ford that when he was uh, trying to put together what would be called an automobile, that he was approached by his critics and his critics thinking that he was crazy, asked Henry Ford this question. I read this yesterday and I thought it was so, so neat. They said to Henry Ford, why don't you ask the public what they want? And Henry Ford said to his critics, to his detractors, to his opponents, why don't I ask the public what they want? Because they will ask for a faster horse. That's why I'm not asking them. I want to give them something that's got 30 horsepower, 40 horsepower, 100 horsepower. There's no limit to it. And so the question is, why did Jesus die on Calvary? He didn't die on Calvary just to give us a better life. No, when he died on Calvary, he went far beyond giving us a better life and he gave us life eternal, not just here, but there. He is the decimal point between time and eternity. And I'm telling you right now that there's hope in this house today for someone who would dare to reach out to him and say, Lord, I want you to come out of the grave. Yes, 2,000 years ago, but I want you to come into my heart today and inside of you is the hope of eternal life. It's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. And somebody said amen. amen. At Calvary, he gave us, if we so choose, he gave us the possibility. Think about this on this Sunday morning. He gave us the possibility of a complete and new life through his death, burial, and resurrection. He came to give us new life. Call it what you will. But the fact remains that he came to give us, I guess I would call it a glorious life. I would call it a victorious life, a triumphant life, a magnificent life, an overcoming life. He came to give us eternal life. Jesus came to this earth as God manifested in the flesh to purchase our redemption. And because of Calvary, we have redemption through his name. Redemption simply means to buy back. So he redeemed us from our sins. He redeemed us from our iniquities, our transgressions, and notwithstanding, he came to this earth and redeemed us from the curse Adam and Eve placed on mankind. And through the death and the burial and the resurrection, our lives now have been bought back. I love what they sang today. Our peace of mind has been paid for. He bought it back. Our past, our present, and our future has been covered by him. He bought it back. Our joy has been paid for. He bought it back. Our salvation is paid for because he went to Calvary and bought it back. 
No wonder Paul said to the Roman church in five and six, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died. Who did he die for? He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die and yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he bought us back. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we are saved from the wrath through him who is the him who is the h-i-m i will tell you on this sunday morning he is the lord of glory he is the great i am he is the king of kings he is the mighty god he is the everlasting father he is the prince of peace he is what you need him to be and he is here to meet every need you brought into this house of worship on an Easter Sunday morning. Hallelujah. We determined that on this Easter Sunday morning, we're going to open the altars in a little while. We're going to pray and believe God. I want God to bless your family. I want him to bless your future. I want him to bless everything that's coming down your dusty road. I want God to put his hand of approval upon your life. And to do that, we have to make a concerted effort to come into his presence and be touched by the Holy Ghost and let the power of Easter resurrect in our hearts. Somebody said amen. amen. Here it is in Ephesians chapter one, verse number three, blessed, favored with blessings. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That's a powerful statement because everyone wants to be accepted accepted in the beloved in whom bought it back in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace think about this as i close today think about this because of his birth because of his death his life his resurrection you and i are accepted by him this morning I am accepted in the beloved. He hath made, listen to it, he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me, verse number 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands that that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now mm, somebody say but now let's talk about now but now in Christ Jesus Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace 
who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There is nothing, when he died, when they buried him, the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom that we might come boldly into the throne of grace. And he hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The reoccurring message Paul is conveying to the church is simply this. You have been accepted in the beloved. You have been accepted by God Almighty. And that acceptance through the blood of Jesus Christ then is the same as it is now. It came through his blood then, and his blood has never lost its power. It's here today. Because of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you now are the child of promise. Ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, you were called the uncircumcision. The Jews would not accept you. You were without Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And the Jews said, we don't want nothing to do with them. Strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, hallelujah, you are accepted. Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption, bought us back through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 again. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. The NLT, same verse. When I came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you of God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. What a powerful statement today. We must put everything aside and we must make sure that the death, the burial, and the resurrection is first and foremost in our lives. And can you say amen? amen? There were three men that day. There were three men that went to Calvary that day. Two of them were thieves and robbers, malefactors. One would be crucified on one side of Jesus. The other would be crucified on the other side of Jesus. Three men would die that day. There would be a man in the middle. We know him as Jesus Christ. There would be a thief, a robber, a loser, a rightfully judged Determined that he should die and he should die according to the law. The other man, the same thing. There they are. They've been nailed to the tree. They've been suspended between heaven and earth. The one in the middle gets all of the attention because they're railing on him. They've already plucked his beard. They've spat in his face. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They put the cat of nine tails on his back. He was far gone. He was far gone. 
when they nailed him to the tree. There he is, suspended between not only heaven and earth, but between these two criminals. Common criminals, dying for their wrongs to society. But I can hear Pilate's words echoing. I find no fault. I find no fault in him. So let's look today at the, at the last moment of Jesus Christ prior to his death. I see one man look over at him and say, hey, do you hear them? They're saying you saved others. This would be a good time for you to save yourself and save us with you. And there was another man on the other side of Jesus. And he looked at Jesus, not caring what the crowd had to say. He looked at Jesus and said, have mercy upon me. I I believe in what you're doing. I believe, I've heard of you. I understand. We're dying. He said to the other man, look, you and I, we're dying because we should die. But this man is innocent. And he's dying and he's innocent. And so when I look today, when I look today at three men on Golgotha's hill, on a hill far away where there stood three rugged crosses, I see him listening to the crowd Listening to the sinner on his right and the sinner on his left. And this is my analysis today of three men who died on Calvary that day. One man died in his sins. One man died out to his sins. And one man died for their sins. And that's still the story of Easter. Whether you hear it with a drama or a song or a preached word, the message of Easter is this. We can die in our sins or we can choose to die out to our sins. I choose to hear him say, this day, be with me in paradise. I I choose to hear him say, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I know there are those that are going to reject him Because 50% of those on Golgotha's hill rejected him that day. But the other man said, help me, Lord. And the last act of Calvary was your Lord and my Lord showing mercy to a thief 
that had it coming. But he looked beyond the man's faults and said, this day be with me in paradise. Yes, three died. Yes, on Calvary, three men died. One man died in his sins. One man died out to his sins. And one man died for their sins. They took him down. They laid him in a borrowed sepulcher. They rolled the stone over the mouth of that grave. And three days later, angels from heaven rolled the stone away. And here's the good news. The tomb was empty. And here's some better news. The tomb is still empty because he came out of the grave to live forevermore and give us a chance on this Sunday morning to reflect back to Calvary, Golgotha's Hill, to look at three crosses, knowing that the message is the same. You can die in your sins you can die out to your sins because he died for your sins and that concludes this podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please like share and subscribe and for those of you on itunes leave us a good rating thank you for listening to the nlcc lancaster podcast